Hi, and welcome to The Thriving Entrepreneur. She's Rochelle Learling, Entrepreneur Coach. He is David Foster, Founder Coach. Today, you know, I usually start with something that is either snarky or potentially funny and it makes Rochelle roll her eyes. But today's topic is a little bit more serious and maybe not so easily joked about. And we all know that running a business is difficult, especially if you are the founder or the entrepreneur who started with a new idea. But one thing that we both run into very commonly is founders and entrepreneurs being identified with their struggle at work. And that roughly means that the struggle at work determines in a large part who you think you are. And that's really what we want to address today. And uh, fair warning, oftentimes we address this indirectly in our talks with people because it's a hard thing to admit. I just have to say that so many entrepreneurs out there call themselves, or sorry, call their business their baby. And I think that's basically where our conversation can start. If your business is your baby, we got to talk because there's so much that comes with that. And the danger that comes with that um, is pretty long term. So um, really looking forward to talking about this emotional roller coaster called business. Yes, it is definitely an emotional roller coaster. And, and we sort of have some agency over how high the highs are and how low the lows are and the steepness of the curve in between. And, you know, I think probably a good place to start is what does that actually mean that you're identified with your struggle? Instead of reflexively saying, no, I'm not, you know, there's a few questions I think we can ask ourselves. One of them is, do people around you sort of anticipate or expect or are they used to you always being just so busy? And that often means that you're very closely aligned, maybe in a potentially unhealthy way. Can you go for a week or even a day without feeling some sort of compelling emotion to throw yourself on the train tracks ahead of whatever train is coming down the, the, the tracks? Would your spouse or your friends or your family describe you as being healthy and balanced and you know normally well-rested aside from the occasional difficult bout at work? Do you have almost like a steady stream of quote-unquote sudden demands, overloaded schedule, or this feeling that you need to check in, keep tabs, clear out your inbox, trying to get ahead, all those different kind of things. And then the last big question, which can be a little unnerving sometimes, I think, is who am I if I don't do these things? That's such a great question. Who am I without work? Who am I without my business? Do I actually have a life? That's a really, really harsh one, but very true. Um, I think to add on to what you just said, um, am I trying to control outcomes in my business too? Oh, that's a really good thing. Yes. I feel that when you're trying to control outcomes, you also have such an emotional attachment to what happens because otherwise you feel uh, unimportant or things don't go your way. And thus you're on the emotional roller coaster again. 
So I think that adds to your, your list of questions for sure. That's a really good one because we do have some ability to influence the outcomes mm -hmm. and we should work as hard as necessary in a lot of ways, but we don't have ultimate control. And if we identify with the results of our business or our project or that meeting so much so that it ruins the rest of our lives, even if only temporarily, that's a really close identification. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is, are you enslaved by your business or not? Do you feel like you're a slave to your business? I think if you were to answer that with yes, seeing all the sub questions you asked, then I think you are too attached. And I might modify that a little bit to say, are you making the decision to be enslaved by your business? Right. Because we, we do have some element of control, uh, unless there is, you know, prison bars or a gun involved and really it comes down to your choice. And look, like there's healthy aspects with being close to your business and your work and your results having the work being important to you and having the work being important to your employees is a really, really good thing. And caring about the outcome or the quality of what you do also a really, really good thing. But both of those things can get pretty dark and pretty difficult for people very, very quickly. Right. I agree that the healthy aspect of really caring about your work comes down to ownership, really feeling like this is yours, like you want to be responsible. You're taking full ownership for whatever happens uh, from A to Z with a client journey or A to Z with the team. Um, you're dedicated and so is the team. And that's, that's super healthy. That means that you're committed to getting the best results ever, to really growing the business to a healthy uh, state. Um, but as you say, it's like such a thin line to get to an unhealthy state with attachment. Right, because you, you get to the point where I care about it, but the, uh, so, sort of the other side of that line that you're describing is I am a person or I am valued or I am good enough because I do these things. And, right. And that's where caring metastasizes into something like a unhealthy internal influence. Mm -hmm. Which basically comes down to taking it too seriously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That your business has become your life. And also when things are not going right in the business, then you feel off. So when the business goes down, you goes down. And that's basically what you said. Like if you're overly packed with you know, meetings, your schedule's tight, your email's full, your inbox is full, I mean, um, then you're taking things too seriously. And you are, as you say, are, am I feeling enslaved or do I make myself enslaved by the business really? Um, yeah. I'm going to come back to this probably only a few dozen times during this episode, but we do have choice. And yeah, we do. when you find yourself in the position of saying, I have to, or I am the person that does all this, or no one else can do it, or this is the way it is all the time, or I have no time to fill in the blank, whether it's bodily functions or dinner with your family or your favorite hobby. 
take some of that power back and say, this is what I'm choosing to do. And just that different thought pathway makes you think about things a little bit differently, I think. Right. So basically what you're saying is that you don't want to be a victim to your business. And that's what you have become if that's how you feel about your business. That you're really putting yourself in that state. Whereas, as you say, you can take control and take charge and make different decisions in order to not feel that way anymore. Yeah, and you're a victim of your business in some ways, and apologies if this sounds harsh, but you're a victim of your business because you chose to do that. Right. And, you know, as I, as I have said to my kids hundreds of times, some days life is defined by trying to figure out which of the two options in front of you is less shitty. And you would, you would like other, other options, perfect options. But sometimes it's not like that. But you still have a choice. You still have a choice. And if you constantly choose the thing that is external to what is good for you constantly, you're going to suffer. And weirdly to say, if you always choose work, work is going to suffer. Exactly. My next point was going to be about suffering. So <laughs> I'm bring that up. Like literally, I mean, work gets hard. Business gets hard. It's part of the deal. Uh, but we don't have to suffer because of it. We sit, still have this, as you say, agency between choices, even though they're both maybe not the best options in your head, to actually make a decision in the right direction for you. And, and actually with that, having a business on your terms, not literally, but rather choosing to make decisions that come closer to you and align to you. Um, and also, I think if you put things into perspective again, so your business not being your life, but a big part of your life, that helps you to see that your business might just be a, a vehicle for your life and your life's goals. So I think it's also really, really important to be clear about what does my business really mean to me? And I think you already touched upon it by saying how important things can be because you know, they identify with it because they want to be important or they want to be seen or heard. But really, what is a business for, for vehicle in my life? And thus, how should I act towards it? I think you're bringing up a really, really good question underneath all of this, which is, why am I doing this? Why does this relationship with my business exist? And in many ways, even though sometimes we feel like we're quote unquote forced to do things, more often than not, we're getting something out of our choice. We're, we're hardwired beyond our consciousness to do things that keep us alive and to survive. And so when we pick the email over our kid or we pick the meeting over our hobby, we're doing that in some way, maybe not consciously, but we're doing that to, to survive because we think it's better in some ways. Maybe think is not the right verb. Subconsciously, there's something that tells us that, that, is, that we're getting something out of it. And in, with all the people that I've worked with, there is usually an element of safety. And that is if 
you give the company, the people you work with, the deadline, the project, some work thing, more importance than what's internal, well, then when things go sideways, it's not your fault. Because somebody else or something else is in some ways running your life or a very, very big part of it. And another thing that people get out of it is this sense of being needed. Well, I have to be involved because if I'm not involved, well, she might make the thing, you know, and it may not be as good or something like that, right? right. And you get that sort of like recognition and at least in the West, and I'm sort of including both of us in this, even though we're 4,000 miles apart, there is this idea of redemption through sacrifice in our culture. You never hear, oh, you know, she's really doing well at her company. She takes all of her vacation. You know, she leaves and on time, and she's always, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and gets her rest. Nobody says that. Everybody says, oh, she's great because, you know, I sent her an email at 1130 at night and she answered it. Yeah. And to get back to the, the point before this, what you're basically saying is people are handling their business from fear, from a fear state. Mm -hmm. Because as mm -hmm. you say, like, if I'm not important, then I'm not worth anything. Yeah. Uh, if I don't point. show up, nobody else shows up. But that's all from fear. Being afraid that somebody will screw up, as you say, or the client won't be happy or mm -hmm. money won't come in. Mm -hmm. It's all from a fear state. And I think if you were to, to peel the onion, you would find out that like below, below it all, there's this fear state of life. Everybody's against me. I've never had any success. I'm not worth anything. Uh, I'm not there yet. I hear this one all the time, indirectly. Um, these fear mindsets uh, states basically um, really control how you act and which decisions you make that go like as a plus one for business and a minus one for you. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And it reminds me of that saying, and I'm sure somebody will remind me who actually said it, that being courageous isn't the absence of fear, but it's doing what needs to be done when you're afraid. And yeah, I think you're really right about that bit that the fear becomes, I don't know, the water that you swim in and you just get used to it. Yeah. I think there's also this, you know, and I, I should approach this pretty gently, but there's also this element of feeling right or correct or, you know, I'm, I'm in this so much and I have to be in this so much so that I can demonstrate that what I do, what I think, what I say, how I decide is somehow more correct than everybody else. Yeah. That can be kind of addictive, really. That's the ego. <laughs> That's next to my list. Yeah. The ego, right? Right, like, 100%. There, yes, we need an ego. But it oscillates between being something good for us and being something very bad. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to be careful about that. Oftentimes I hear people say something like, I just really care about the outcome or, 
mortgaged my house or I've got a hundred mouths to feed or whatever the, whatever the pressure is. And in no way am I advocating that you don't want to work hard or that it's not important. But if you identify with that struggle in work, you're going to do a much poorer job of paying back the money, feeding the 100 mouths that you've employed, leading your team. And that seems in some ways counterintuitive, but it's, but it's not. Do you, make your, do you make your best decisions when you're completely overworked and you haven't had time to think? No, it doesn't work like that. So basically what you're saying is you're coming from the wrong energy. You're coming from that victim, fear, ego state and trying to get outcomes from that state. But the outcomes will be, again, fear-based. You will never get another feeling if you come from that state. So, yeah, I agree with that 100%. Right. Let's try to brighten the scene a little bit with some, what do we do here? Mm-hmm. And... I think what we were talking about just a few minutes ago about the difference between I have to and I choose to. Mm-hmm. That's a mindset shift and it, it gives you some of your agency back, if that makes sense. And you may not like exactly the things that you're deciding between, but just saying, even internally, I'm picking, I'm choosing to do this that relieves some of the pressure and it also gives you some ability to say, I actually don't choose that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's basically giving yourself the permission to have agency again, but also to not stay in that victim state where you say I'm too busy or I'm too overwhelmed or whatever you think is too much. You choose that and try to wrap your hand around it because it's really hard. You choose everything that's happening in your business, at least the choices you get in front of you. Um, not directly, always. Indirectly, often. But it all comes from that state that you work and live from, which could be that fear state. Yes. And I think that you mentioned the indirect. Whenever I hear somebody describe something indirectly, I, I think about, I highly suspect this idea of being really identified with your struggle in a very unhealthy way. So... It needs to be done. It should be something like that. If, if you hear you or somebody else talking that way, I think that's a really good place to pause and stop and say, okay, who, who needs this to be done? Or what process? And where does that sit? And how does that work? And what's involved in doing that well or doing not doing it at all? And that kind of in some ways like short circuits this idea of redemption through sacrifice that oh here's another weight for me to throw on my back and I just have to like you know Sisyphus up the up the hill it's it 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 doesn't end in a good place it does not end in a good place and we all know that that hill never ends either no and as you say like it's it's watching your own language and watching the language in your team internally because that language really exposes how things are going and also what the behavior around work really is. Let's go straight for how do I make this better? And maybe we even start ahead of that and say, 
how can I figure out if this has any relationship to what I'm doing? We talked about the indirect voice and we talked about this question of who would I be if I didn't do this or didn't do this this way? And along with that, I think is another question to ask, do I define myself or does work define me? And that might be a good question to bring up with people who are close to you. I have a friend who he is defined by his work. And when his work isn't at a certain place or at a certain level, he feels completely useless as a human being. Yeah. That, is, that is different enough from my work is very important to me and I care about it and it provides for me and my family or you know my employees. It's another thing to say, well, I didn't get this job, contract, whatever, and so I don't understand why I even exist anymore. Yeah, so basically, what does work mean to you? And what are you doing this all for? And the ego will probably say, I'm doing this because I want success and money and status. And then once you go deeper, you'll find out that you just don't feel recognized or you don't feel seen or heard and you're missing some sort of attention. For instance, right? Um, that's a really harsh and uh, conf a confrontational tool or exercise to do. But I think it's really, really important that we know our drivers. And once we know our drivers, we can still change them and say, hey, that's, that's really unhealthy. Or that's why I feel so off when I don't work, even though I want to be chilling. Or I choose the email over my kids. But once you know what your drivers are and you're very much aware of your language and your, your mindset around work and sacrifice and success, you're able to change it and say, what, what kind of vehicle is business to me anyway? Obviously, I have um, my responsibilities and I have a mission, but do I need to put so much pressure on myself here? Is this healthy, but also is this necessary? And who am I doing this for, right? Beyond my own goals. Yeah, that necessary question is, is really good. And oftentimes I find myself, quote unquote, helping people in many ways by asking, well, what happens if we don't do this? Or what happens if we do a smaller version of this? Or if we look at our priorities and this is number 13 or 14, what happens if we don't do this at all? Mm -hmm. Like you said, is it necessary? And I think that when you're, when you're talking to somebody who has that kind of perspective, yes, that can help. But if you're on your own, I'm a big fan of writing things down. Because when you write something down and then you read it, it's a completely different neural pathway and it's it's very similar to having a conversation with yourself. So you almost have to read it and answer that question as if somebody else wrote it. And so if you find yourself overwhelmed, if you find yourself, eh, you know what, maybe some of this applies to me, writing down why you started, what you want out of it, and what would happen if you didn't do some of these things, that's incredibly, incredibly valuable. Because the things that feel like an emergency today, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, you, you probably won't even remember. 
and they yeah. probably had no effect. So yeah. that means it's serving some other purpose, kind of like those purposes we talked about a little bit back about how you want to feel needed or you want to feel right or you want to feel in control. But did you actually get those things? Are you getting them in the next couple of months in this way of working and operating? Probably the answer is no. <laughs> it's such an internal validation that we're seeking. Um, to, to add to your point about journaling, basically, or writing down the question and talking to yourself on paper, I 100% agree. That's a great idea. Reflecting every single week or ideally every day is a great way to be aware of what you're doing and how you're coming across, but also the choices you're making in your day-to-day, -day, why you're choosing one thing over the other, being very, very intentional with your time and your behavior and mm -hmm. your language. And once you are aware, that's a process, but once you are, it becomes almost impossible to make choices against yourself. Or if you do, you're very aware and you're like, in the moment, I can choose again. I think that's pretty powerful when we're trying to explore and discover what it means for us to have a business and run a business and have success. Well, you talked about journaling. And what I'm going to say is what I said to a client recently. Yeah, yeah, this isn't journaling. I mean, tough guys don't journal, but you can still write stuff down because it helps. Okay, that's my one joke for today. But the idea being that do it the way it helps you. Like if you need to buy the hardcover book with the flowers and get a nice pen and stuff like that, mm -hmm. fair enough, go do that. If you want to make notes on your phone while you're riding the train, do that. But don't not do anything. And in that vein, let's say that you feel like the workday never ends and you get to whatever o'clock and you're exhausted and you don't have dinner and it's yet another day like that and you realize that you made those decisions all day long that picked something other than you for all your time and attention and energy. Tomorrow's a new day. Maybe one thing you can write down, even on a post-it note, because people love to put post-it notes on their monitors, write down the time that you are going to stop. There's your decision and hold to it. And yes, I know the investor, the big client, the project, the blah, 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 blah. Just like yesterday, just like the day before, last week, last month. But if you don't make that decision, you're going to end up in a world of hurt and all this effort that you're putting into work is not going to pay back because you're not making good decisions. And to that point, if you choose to be in charge again or reclaim control over yourself and your decisions and your behavior at work, you'll see the business systems around you change too. It can be super subtle, but once you start to lead again and just at least make the commitment of understanding and discovering why you behave the way you do and feel the way you do, from there, everything gets easier because you're aware that things don't make sense. They don't serve you. You don't feel well in the process. And as we all know, if we don't feel great, our business can't be great either. That's, that's really the bottom line. Um, so it comes down to at least writing down your drivers, Mm -hmm. uh, understanding your behavior, but also, as you say, making choices of stopping at a certain time. But I think bottom line also being cutting yourself some slack and, and giving yourself permission to be more than just 
a business machine, a successful business owner, because you are more than that. But the identity that we have built has become a monster. And in order to kind of feed that monster or just refeed it, we have to stay a certain identity, but we don't need to. We can redefine how we work, how we act, how we think, how we, how we speak. Um, but it takes awareness and choices around what you want your business life to be. Because as you say, like at the end, end of the road, you're the one not benefiting or feeling great about the business success because you haven't felt great in the process. Yeah, and you, you talk about feeding the monster. And one of the things that I've always talked about is that myth and who knows where exactly it came from about the two wolves inside somebody the basically the good wolf and the bad wolf and the the one you feed wins and with that idea in mind you can make the choice to give time and attention and energy to things that are not work that have something meaningful to you gardening doing your old car, like working out, walking your family, it doesn't really matter, but it has to be not work. And if you've identified so closely with being not worthy unless you're struggling, just a small amount of a regular attention on something else will help create a balance that makes it a lot easier to let go of that whole redemption through suffering myth that is so prevalent in our society that actually supports people identifying with the struggle at work. Sort of like make a commitment. If something happens at work and I see this all the time, well, I have to do this. Well, somebody just made a meeting. He called me. She, I have to answer this email, whatever it is. Put those same type of qualifications on, I have to plant my garden or I have to go for a walk, or I have to go to the beach, or you know, I have to teach my kid how to drive, whatever it is, and like embrace that. And if, if you can sort of work on that, it will create a balance and it'll be much easier to let go of, I'm nobody unless I answer this email at 10.30 at night. And I think practically speaking, um, it comes also down to not only having a post-it on your monitor and saying, I will try to be out by six, but actually scheduling it into your calendar. Even breaks, even lunchtime breaks, meditation breaks, walk breaks, or just stopping at six or 7 p.m. Those should be scheduled in because otherwise you'll find another excuse just to keep going because nobody will tell you to stop. In the end, you have to give yourself permission to do so, but also own your own rules for working, your own boundaries. And that comes down to really having your own agreements with yourself. And with many of our clients, we actually create a personal handbook, personal business handbook, in which we do write down like this, is how I want to work. This is what is important for me. This is how I thrive. And that also means that I invest in myself, which could be literally stopping at six or taking a walk every day between 12 and one. And I think that, I think we have to be very clear with people listening that we're not conflating work habit with some sort of emotional identity. Because you can have meditation breaks, a daily walk, you can have all these bits, 
but still be emotionally identified with what happens at work. True. And the reverse can be true. You can be completely disorganized and, you know, work randomly at your kid's soccer game or at the kitchen table or have no boundaries whatsoever and have a healthy, okay, this is important, but I, but I know it's not going to ruin my life attitude about it. And it's that what we're talking about here is that idea that work defines me. Yeah. It defines how I judge myself, how I think of myself, how I value myself. That, that is the tricky bit that, boy, it really can destabilize your efforts and can destabilize yourself as a person. Yeah, and, and you're right. Those rules and boundaries and scheduling in, these are just practical outcomes of whatever. But indeed, it starts with the internal drivers. And um, you can think that work-life balance or healthy boundaries, all that stuff is not for you because you're extra driven. And, you know, that, that's your identity, really. Like, oh, where everybody stops, I continue. But that comes from, an, from a wrong state, probably, from an unhealthy state. Mm-hmm. And... If that is your identity, then look for the habits that are attached to that identity. If I'm a hard worker and I go beyond everything where people stop, then what are my habits? Oh, overworking, not sleeping well. Okay, so then how do I turn that around if I want to? And it's basically taking on a new set of rules and new set of identity um, measures, basically. And I want to emphasize something that closely resembles optimism, and that is... If someone, if you are accomplished at work, if you've started a company, if you've got the big job, if you have done all these things, you can also do this. You can also put, let's call it a healthy separation or create boundaries between who you are as a person and what happens at work. You can still care. You can still work hard. In a lot of ways, you can work harder than the average bear if you want. But once it gets into that realm of defining who you are, that's very difficult. It's very difficult to perform. It's very difficult just to live. But you can do it. And so let's, let's leave people with some of the questions we ask. I think one of the important ones is what others say about you. Do they see you in a way that could be identified with work? What is your spouse, your friends, your kids? What is their opinion? Don't be shy about it. Just ask them straight away. My next question would be, who am I without my business? Great question. I think also looking at that choice, I have to versus I choose to, or the indirect, this needs to be done with the implication that you are the one that has to do it. And if you don't, then there's something wrong with you. That's a really good thing to watch. Yeah, another thing would be related to suffering. Am I suffering due mm. to the business? And if so, where can I choose not to suffer anymore? You know, that's a really good point. I did say to somebody recently, what if, what if you went and did this and it was fun? <laughs> and she looked paralyzed. Like, how could something like this be fun? 
And that's a really good question to, to ask. I want to leave people with the idea of making a conscious choice to give energy, time, and effort to things that aren't work. Understanding your drivers, but also what business means to you, as in what your goals are by having a business, but also what your goals in life are, and which ones are not um, well taken care of by business. And yes. those are your personal things that you really should work on and, and invest time into. Totally agree. So we appreciate you listening to this, let's call it challenging topic. We promise that in two weeks, it's going to be nothing but unicorns and rainbows and jokes. Only jokes this time. Only jokes next time. Only jokes. And we wish everybody well in embracing that idea of who you are and making sure that that's very true. Thank you for listening. We do appreciate you, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Talk soon. Thank you for listening. If you're an accomplished founder in a leadership position and want experience, guidance, and support, contact David on davidafoster.com. And if you're an entrepreneur with a team who wants to be more in control of your business and your life, and want to explore coaching, contact Rochelle on growtribute.com. You can find links to contact us in the show notes of every episode. We appreciate your listening.